0: Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Jordan Arts, who's a fourth-year resident at Louisiana State University in New Orleans, Louisiana. He's originally from San Diego, California. He completed college at the University of San Diego A master's in biomedical sciences at the University of North Texas Health Science Center and medical school at the UT Houston McGovern Medical School. His academic interests include cosmetics, general reconstruction, and gender confirmation surgery. Jordan, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So, I'd love to get started by hearing a broad overview about the structure of your program at LSU.
1: We are an integrated program. We just actually graduated our first integrated resident. Couple years ago. So, I guess we're relatively new. We are also dual credited as well. So, we have an independent program as well. And this year, we're actually graduating our last independent fellow. We have not decided to get rid of the independent program, but I mean, it just kind of is up to our program director and our chair about when they want to open it back up, especially with how busy we've been getting. It's actually pretty crazy uh, the amount of new faculty we've brought on in the past couple of years. Even since I've been an intern, it's been like almost five new faculty. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy how fast we're growing. As much as our program structure goes, so you're exposed to plastic surgery right out the gate. I believe it's about six months, your first year, and then it still like, goes up from there. I think that it's, it's changed a ton since I was actually. And intern, I did 18 months originally for all general surgery. And so now I think we've got it down to probably a total of a year, like 12, maybe 13 months of all general surgery, including trauma, ENT, anesthesia, dermatology, like other rotations like that. And then as, starting as a fourth year, it becomes only plastic surgery rotations. It's been really cool. I mean, I'm on my children's rotation right now. And I'm really loving it. Our children's rotation is great. And now they're actually starting off as interns on your children's rotation. Originally, we only had three months on our uh, children's rotations and now we're getting six. So I think that's a lot easier to make your numbers and such. I know people in the past, it, it was a little hard and they would have to go back on like their free time to make the numbers, but now it's a breeze with those extra three months, especially as an intern. And also it, it's kind of nice. Coming in as an intern on that rotation, because you have, we partner with Tulane as well, who does the children's rotation for the first six months of the year, the academic year. And then we take over the second six months, but still like all of the LSU faculty that are over there. And so while the Tulane fellows in plastic surgery are their first six months, that's when our interns will be with them. So it's kind of a nice little guided, gradual introduction into plastic surgery which is kind of nice all the other rotations that aren't plastics it's great like there's no bad blood between any of our programs they like respect us as plastic surgeons and and we like definitely like help them out whenever we can we have great relationships with all of them so there's definitely no like real malignant tension or relationship between us so that that was always really cool as far as how many program sites we have, so we have a university medical center, which is kind of like our county hospital. Some people call it the new charity. A lot of people know the charity hospital is kind of iconic in New Orleans, but that's mainly our like large trauma hospital. Our can- it's like the trauma one center for most of Louisiana. The only other one, I think, is Shreveport. And then the, besides that one, the closest one is Houston. So we get a lot of different trauma. We also have our, it's a big cancer center as well. So a lot of different trauma recon, micro experiences, amazing there. And then our cancer recon is awesome there as well. And what's also really cool is the past like a year and a half, that's where all of our gender confirmation surgery has been mostly. So it's been great doing a lot of bottom surgery there. And then we also have the VA, which I think it's pretty new. We've been there for about two years now. It's still up and coming. It's only like a 200-bed hospital, but still great to be there. It's where our program director mainly works, and it's a one-on-one experience with him. And especially with like the juniors, it's phenomenal because he walks you through and lets you do like the whole case. And he's super slick. His name is Dr. Dupin. We all love him. He's kind of like a grandpa and just a really great guy. He trained ENT and then as well as plastic, so his like facial knowledge is is really great. So it's always fun to work with him. Uh, on top of that, we have the children's hospital, which I went into. We also partnered with several like semi-private hospitals, West Jefferson, Turo, Oshner Baptist. Oshner Baptist is probably like our, one of our like flagship flat hospitals. It's where we work with Dr. Bob Allen, who actually came up with the deep flap. So that's awesome. Our chair, Dr. St. Saint-Hilaire, a lot of this stuff out there. Those two are just monsters in the OR. Like I've never seen people that can operate like them. They just go insane. Like it, It's crazy to watch and just see how efficient they are. And we really learn a lot from them. And, and I really enjoy working with them. It's pretty much all of the hospitals that we have. Like I said, with the county hospital, since it's so busy, like that's pretty much where uh, we have the majority of our residents. Usually it's either going to be like a six, and then maybe like a four, and then two juniors. So like a, a three and an intern or so. And then Also, like the fives will run the service too as chiefs and then same thing. So there's usually about four residents always there, which is great.
0: So you've already given me a lot of awesome information and we'll dive into some of it more specifically, but just to make sure I have the specifics, you said you get about six months of plastics in your first year and then how much in your second and your third years?
1: So you got six months your first year. Second year, you're getting one, two, three, four, five, six. And then third year, they get nine. And then after that, all. So six, six, nine, and then all of it.
0: So there's currently one independent. They're graduating. Unclear if they'll continue to take more. And do you work with any fellows?
1: Yes, but this is also interesting as well. So this year, our microfellow was amazing. Whenever people have fellows, it really is all dependent on the fellow. When I first applied to LSU, they didn't have fellows. And that was something that was very attractive to me because I wanted the residents to like do everything. And we've even had at one point where one was like, you know, he wanted to do everything because I guess he didn't have the best exposure. And so then all of a sudden, you know, it became kind of a competition this year our microfellow was phenomenal like he would come in help out like sometimes he wouldn't scrub cases and would be like uh, especially like when we're at the county hospital and when we were doing free flaps he'd be like hey do this like i was getting out the uh, the recipient vessels and my thighs. he was actually doing the like raising the flap and he was just like going back between us being like hey do this here or hey there's a little bit better of a trick here and That's how I thought that it's supposed to be, all right? Like when you have the fellows there, they are supposed to be like a supplement and support system. And he really did that. And the other cool thing about that was he came in a little late because of COVID and he still is going to graduate with like over 200 flats. Like, I mean, that's how much micro experience we get here. And that was just at him being at Ochsner Baptist, like I was telling you, like our free flat capital. (laughs) All right. And so most of like the stuff that's being done, all the micro recon is being done at our county hospital is actually being done by the residents. So that was awesome. We also opened up an aesthetic fellowship as well, which is great for really like our chiefs because our aesthetic experience is really limited to six months as chief year. However, I will say that we do spend three months up in Baton Rouge as our fourth year. And it was like my favorite experience. The reason why I love that rotation so much was because of the fact that you're working with about 10 different private plastic surgeons up in the area, and you really can tailor your wants. Like, that's the best part is like if you wanted to go do cosmetic cases that day, you could go do that. Or if you wanted to do some recon, you can do that as well. So we work at Our Lady of the Lake, and there's any like big cases that are there. Like, that's our first responsibility, and that's what we usually go to. But then, like, after we're done with that, then we have free reign. And so like I had a great cosmetic exposure up there with a bunch of different plastic surgeons, which I love because I want to see how other people do different things rather than just learning in my program. The aesthetic fellow, he's been great. He started actually doing like our aesthetic pre-op conferences. So going over the patients that are coming into him, he has his own clinic, and then he'll like put up and go over it like when we're doing our grand rounds and our conferences. They'll go over and be like, hey, like, these are our patients, all right, go through how to work them up and then say, this is my plan and then show us his results and everything like that. And then also critique like what he would do better. And so that's been great. And so he's been also a great resource, especially helping out with the chiefs as well. And even just from us just learning, that's been fun and great too. I think they're talking about doing a hand fellowship because we take probably the most hand call of like us and ortho, but we can get into that in a minute too. So we have two fellowships.
0: Since you brought it up, can you tell me more about call? At what level you start taking it? If there's buddy call, et cetera?
1: I don't think interns take call. I think they have their day shift and they take the first calls coming in for the day. All right, so you know from six to six, like when they're on, they're taking the first call. All right, so I just I consider that like a day shift. They don't take call at night. For me, call is mostly taken at night. Second year, you start that and it's very graduated. How call works for us is that every even day, we're just on plastics call. Then every odd day, I call it the triple threat. We're on hand trauma, face trauma, and plastics. And then on top of that, we're on micro call 24-7. So at any point, even if on an even day, when we're not on call for hand trauma, but if like a replant comes in possibility, that'll still be us. Ortho doesn't do any of that. So we share call with Tulane Ortho and LSU Ortho. They take it off like month by month, but still for us, it doesn't change because it's every odd day that we're on call. And then we share face trauma with OMFS. ENT doesn't do anything down here. Our ENT program is great, but the LSU ENT is based out in Baton Rouge not down here. So this is phenomenal for us because we do all of our own head and neck recon. And even the LSU and T that works at the county hospital, they'll do the resection and then they'll refer to us to do their reconstruction. So we work really well with them. So all the fibulas, all the stuff that's being done like that, that's, that's usually us, which is great. Now, as far as graduated call for the juniors, so they always have a backup. And they're usually only on call for University Medical Center. So that's about from seven to seven. It's for when we're on call for trauma. They'll go in, they'll see the patient. They'll always call, and if they need help, they'll call in our their backup to go in, which is usually an upper, or uh, four, five, or six. And then basically, if they need help, then great, we go in and help them. And if not, and they can handle it, then that's awesome as well. Usually, that it's always a pretty busy call. On it's either going to be hands trauma or facial trauma. Very seldom do you just not get called in. We do have call rooms there and they're actually great. They, they just gave us new beds, which I'm like super stoked about because it's like sleeping in a closet on a nice bed. So like there's no light. However, sometimes that can mess with you.
0: So it is home call?
1: It is home call. You know, the only in-house call that we have is for trauma when we're rotating with trauma.
0: How often do you generally find yourself on call when you're on plastic service? And also, is there any kind of support the next day or kind of leeway the next day if you don't get like a true post-call day?
1: So juniors usually work two weekends a month. Usually the upper levels have one weekend a month. And then as far as I like, yes, if you're up all night, like doing a bunch of things, like for instance, on New Year's especially with all the hand trauma that comes in from fireworks. I hate fireworks. So I had 18 consults that night and almost every one of them was procedural and four of them had to go to the OR. So I called in my upper, they came in and they were in the operating room all night and I was sewing up lax and doing vision amputations and such in the ED. So the next day they were just like, go home, like don't worry about it, like we'll handle it. So yeah, they're very understanding with that part or they'll like, at least let you sleep in. Like for me, like this is training. So like, they let me go home. I slept for a couple hours and I came in. They're being nice to me and I I don't want to like make them bear everything. And that's, I think how all the rest of my residents feel. Like they're always trying to help each other out, which is great. And even like the, some of the attendings, like if you get there and they just are like, wow. I remember when he looked at my eyes, he was like, are you okay? Like your eyes are really red. I was like, I haven't gone home yet. And he's like, why don't you go to sleep for a little bit, all right? If you want to come back, great. And if not, I'll see you tomorrow. And I'll say, okay, cool. So I went and took a nap for a couple hours and then came back down to the case.
0: What's the mid-level support like?
1: So we have, at Children's, we have two PAs, but one's leaving right now. So we just hired a new one to replace her because she's actually the wife of our, one of our chiefs. So they're going off to start his plastic surgery career and So she is in clinic. She's very helpful with that, but really doesn't do anything on rounds. doesn't see patients on the floor or anything like that. It's really just mostly clinic stuff. And the same thing at our university, we do have a PA that she's mostly just in clinic, doesn't do anything for the floor. We have talked about adding another PA either to help out with the floor or with our other clinics, just because since, like I said before, we're adding so many new people, It's just hard for us to cover everybody unless we're going to add like another resident or something. So that's something that they're talking about, but you know, above my pay grade, those are only two like mid-level support that we have.
0: And is there any opportunity for electives, like rotations you get to choose yourself within your institution, or times when you can like go visit somewhere else?
1: So yes, actually, I was actually really bummed because COVID kind of messed it up this year. You're given one month of an elective time your fourth year and really you can do whatever you want with it i was going to use it to go and shadow some other people to start finding jobs and luckily like i kind of just took it as a research month instead this time because the covid like we weren't allowed to go and travel anywhere that's relatively new i know last year before covid happened our five who's about to be a chief now He actually went and spent it with a person that he's doing a cosmetic fellowship next year after he's chief. So it can be very beneficial and helpful. Other than that, I did the research month and I actually got a lot of research done.
0: Are there any opportunities for any global rotations or like short-term trips?
1: We started trying to do something like that. We started with a, or my chair went down to Honduras and was uh, trying to set up a good relationship down there but the residents haven't had a chance to go down there yet, especially because it would just happen like right before COVID and such. So that's been unfortunate. However, I mean, they're very supportive in the fact that if you want to do something, like for me, like I actually applied to other places that were doing Doctors Without Borders and stuff like that. And they're taking residents and I got accepted and was going to go. But again, COVID kind of messed everything up. The only thing that I guess that's kind of unfortunate is that I do have to use my vacation for that. There's nothing that's been approved by LSU to, like, go during a a rotation yet. But hopefully that's something that we're working on.
0: I know we talked a bit about the cosmetic experience already. So you get those six months in your chief year, and then now you also get three months in your fourth year. Is there an opportunity for residents to, like, have their own cosmetic clinic?
1: That's all that that rotation is. That's what's so great about it is it's literally, like, your entire, like, you have one of our attendings who's with you, he will see you for the first like couple of times, go in with you, see how you analyze and come up with a plan and talk to the patient, work them up. And then after that, it's kind of like you go to him when when you need help and like pick his brain like a mentor, but it's like you're running the clinic and it's great. And so it's pretty much everything from Botox fillers to actually doing cases. We do it on an outpatient surgery clinic like, and they present their patients at Grand Rounds as well so that we could see their results as well.
0: Do you get like intermittent cosmetic exposure in the earlier years as well?
1: Only in the sense of like what have like injectable clinics and stuff like that. And you are available to start doing that as an intern. I definitely did. Again, COVID, like we haven't had an injectable clinic probably like in the past year. Like they haven't started it back up. And I doubt that we'll, before the end of the year, just because the chiefs are about to graduate. So starting this upcoming year, hopefully we'll be allowed to start having the injectable clinic where basically you get to bring your own patients. You're working with the head of our aesthetic division, uh, Dr. Kubehi, who's amazing, like very good technically in microsurgery and in cosmetic surgery. Phenomenal. And so we get to See the patient with him, analyze, tell him what we think that they need, and then he goes ahead and, and either agrees with us or says, "Hey, you should look at this as well." And all the Botox and, and filler that we receive during that injectables clinic is free, and so and for our patients and such.
0: You mentioned it briefly, but can you tell me more about the experience with gender affirmation surgery?
1: We actually just do everything except for doing a phalloplasty. We have not done a phalloplasty yet at our hospital. We have a couple that are planned and that we we want to, but just hasn't got around to actually coming to fruition yet. But I mean, we do a bottom surgery, like about one a month at our county hospital. We do a ton of top surgeries, either doing mastectomies or uh, doing augmentations, and then also do a lot of uh, facial feminization, which is something that I'm really interested in. And we do those at uh, our county hospital as well as West Jefferson, which is like one of the semi-private hospitals we work with. And then also our children's hospital that like we, uh, in some cases, because this starts at like 18, we have a great team that we work with, all right, so with pediatrics and uh, endocrinologists and everything like that. So it's not just us that are seeing them. So it's a, it's a good support system as well.
0: And how does your program manage resident autonomy? One way we could go through it is like, what would the different PGY levels be doing in a case like a deep?
1: So really, it's all about our attendings preference. If you show that you are like efficient in the OR, and they, they trust you and that you've been like working with them, they'll let you do more and more. I remember one of my first times working with Dr. Allen, I mean, he's just hes just such a giant that like basically was like, yeah, I can get you out of really anything. So he actually, as I was an intern, he let me harvest the chest vessels for a deep. He walked me through it, all right? And so that was that was really great. And a deep, so basically, if you're going to be like a one or two, you're definitely going to be helping. You're going to be learning. You want to know the anatomy and everything like that. They're going to be like, I don't want to say pimping you, but basically just trying to get your knowledge and make sure you're, you're doing everything correctly and safely. So usually you're going to be the one that's closing the fascia or something like that once they raise flap. The fives and sixes are usually the ones that are going to be at our county hospital, usually be the ones raising the deep. And then the uh, three or four is usually going to be doing the chest vessels and harvesting those. But like I said, it could be younger if they, if they think that you're proficient. And it's the same thing for even if we're doing like head and neck recon and doing a fibula, like usually it's going to be like the five or six, harvesting the fibula, and then probably more like the four, getting out any facial vessels or something like that.
0: What's the research experience like, both in terms of expectations and support that's available?
1: Actually, this year it's been really great because we finally have like a research fellow which has really helped us not only in our production, but also just in our organization. I mean, we have a micro conference every month to go over like the projects that are being done, any new projects that need to be done. With not only residents but also med students that are looking for projects, so it's always great to figure out and to know how we are progressing. You get to see like when projects are actually being submitted and being accepted, and that we actually had because of that so much more efficiency this year, which has been great. You are expected to have at least one peer publication a year here. I mean that could be anywhere from a case report to anything, but it does have to be one a year. And then as far as support goes, I mean, our attendings are very helpful, but usually like if you sign up for something, like you are doing it. Like, I can't tell you like how many like projects I've signed up for where I'm literally the one that's like driving the force behind. They're very great at like, once the manuscript is, is done and they're reviewing it, they're going to let you get back to you and everything. But uh, up until that point, it's, if you have questions, you go to them and you're like, I'm trying to figure out how the best to show like these results or, you know, like, do you have any other ideas for these findings and stuff like that? Or like, should I be looking at something else rather than this? And so from there, they're like, oh yeah. And they're, they're great at helping with that, but you're the driving force as the resident.
0: And then how about support once you're ready to present your research?
1: So, what we do is every time that's like if we have a presentation that we're about to give at a conference or anything like that, we tell our faculty as soon as it's accepted. And then we are allowed, like during our grand rounds, to give our presentations and get feedback. We usually do it like twice prior. Well, some people do. You cannot do that if you don't want to. But it's always nice because, yeah, we'll present it at grand rounds, get their feedback, and then After we get their feedback, go ahead and do all the edits and then re present it like a week before the conference. So that we're feeling like comfortable, we've answered any questions and they know what we're gonna say.
0: How about like funding or reimbursement for travel and stuff like that?
1: Pretty much, if you get accepted to a conference, it's gonna be paid for for you to go, but it has to be a an oral presentation a poster doesn't usually get it if there's no one going and you do have like a poster and like maybe another person has a poster or so and you really want to go to go network or whatever you might just go up there and present like everybody's poster But usually it has to be a a presentation for you to be able to pay for to go
0: is there any as far as you know any limit on the number of conferences you could go to in a year if you do have oral presentations accepted?
1: Actually, I have not had that problem yet. I've gone to two or three, and it doesn't count as my vacation or anything like that. So they're very supportive about that and getting their research out.
0: Any particularly awesome like extra perks you'd like to share?
1: I'm super stoked because they finally like, they paid for Loot. So that's great. And then also the past couple of years since I've been here, the seniors have gotten some pretty cool gifts. Before they go, like some have got like a camera, another one's gotten like new loops. But yeah, it's kind of like going away presence really for the graduating seniors, which is always really cool to see.
0: When does everybody get their loops now?
1: Usually, like their first year. Now that they've got six months as the first year and they're going to be exposed to lots like micro, they get to go do it. It's a good experience. As far as like food stipends go, we get hundred dollars a month at university hospital or county hospital. And then I think about the same at West Jeff and at children's. So we do have a stipend, which is great. We have a resident lounge at the county hospital, which is also great. They have food and drinks, stuff for like when you're on call overnight, which is always really nice. If you have any special courses or labs that are being put on by industry, if you're really interested as long as you aren't on call that weekend or so, and if you get approval from our program director, as well as the director of that rotation, then you can go, which is great. And then the other thing that I really have fun with is like when we have anatomy labs, we have about one a quarter, so about four a year. Those are a lot of fun. They're usually like on Fridays and we're excused from all clinical duties. And you just go and like work on either the hand lab or facial lab. It's really cool to see.
0: What area of plastic surgery would you say you have the strongest experience in upon graduation?
1: I think right now, our hand experience and our micro experience is really above average. I mean, just because we really do take the majority of hand call and like our hand faculty, I mean, we have three hand trained faculty right now. Hopefully, we'll be moving closer towards getting a hand service where we'd be with ortho and the plastics, which would be amazing. But I think that experience is really great. You see everything from replants to, you know, trigger fingers. And uh, one of our hand faculty, he's actually really well-trained. He won't go do anything at the elbow, but like both bone fractures or the forearm and stuff like that we will do, and we'll do anything soft tissue from the shoulder down. He's also got a very good interest in brachial plexus. So we have a brachial plexus clinic at our children's hospital, which has been really cool. I mean, we've seen congenital hand. Up, I did a cleft hand case actually this year. my first one, and it was the first time I ever see it, and it was really cool. And then like our micro-experience is, is really good as well, just because of just how much is down here. For our breast reconstruction, it's like 75% of the world does implant-based reconstruction. Here down in New Orleans in the South, it's like, Flipped on its head, like people come in asking for autologous reconstruction. So we're doing like eighty percent of flaps for reconstruction. It's a lot.
0: And how would you improve your program?
1: So some things that I would improve, I really would like to have are either a international experience or like a mission trip that could be available to residents every year. And I wouldn't even mind spending like one of my vacations weeks to go do it, as long as it was just available and consistent that I could do it every year. I think that would be a huge addition. We're very busy, and it would be nice to either open up the independent program, like this with one resident, like consistently, or to have another mid-level, but I personally would like another resident, just because some cases do go uncovered, with how busy it can get. Yeah, I think those are really the the only big things that I would do to change the program.
0: And so I think you touched on your PD briefly before, but I'd love to hear more about your PD and your chief slash chair.
1: We'll start with my program director first. His name's Dr. Charles L. Dupin. He is awesome. He is someone that it, it really cares about the residents. If you have any problems, you go up to him and he will. I think he kind of even takes it personally. Like he wants to see change. Like if you are unhappy, he'll do whatever it takes to like get you or the program better. And sometimes it's just like he'll even take a too much of a role. And we're like, yo, all right, you got to pump the brakes, sir. Like you're, you're, you're really getting into this. Like we only wanted this to change a little bit and you're like going full force. But he really does like care and, I think that's really nice to have in a program director. If he can do something, he will do something for you, whether it's making calls for fellowships. I know he did that for several of our people, and I think that's what any good program director would do, or even for helping you get a job. So he's great. He's ENT trained as well as plastic surgery trained. So. His knowledge of like facial anatomy and just all the super slick flaps or like local tissue arrangements that you can do on the face, it's always so fun to like work with him on that because he'll just pull something out and be like, oh, yeah, you haven't heard of this? And I'm like, no, but thank you. And then he'll be like, okay, well, you need to read these three papers on this. And I'm like, okay, yes, sir, I will. So, yeah, that's Dr. Ben. He's awesome. Our chief, Dr. Hugo St. hilaire the only way I can really just describe him is probably a force of nature like that guy can operate Um, i've never seen somebody do as much as he can do he great microsurgeon he's actually omathes trained plastic trained, and craniofacial trained and now he just is crazy good at micro anytime we need help at our county hospital and he's like on call he'll come in and when it takes you know just because of how slow the or goes on turnover days or whatever and we have five cases to get through and he will just whip through them and it's, it's so much fun to operate with him you learn so much every time and you really learn how to be efficient in the OR because that's just how he can move so fast and he's also someone that's not only great to learn from but also like good to talk to in the sense of if you need advice or anything like that so it's always really nice to have and you always know that he has your back but like his goal for the program is to grow it big so He's always like, okay, if you ever have a question of whether you should take it on our service, the question's always, yes, take it. But that's just who he is. I think he's going to make it into a powerhouse. I think it's very underrated, but with him at leading it, it's going to be great or even greater. Dr. Bob Allen, I mean, he created the deep flap and Dr. Dupin actually was a part of that as well. He's huge into breast reconstruction. Everybody should know who he is. Like I said earlier, it's He's great, his style, like just how he is like the true Southern gentleman. He's kind of like kooky and so much fun to operate with, but you really learn a lot every time you're in the OR with him, he's got great ideas and he's actually very involved with our research as well and doing his own things. We have five cranial facial trained attendings, two hand attendings. We just are hired a third. Like I said before, we're just, we're growing very fast. Dr. Babineau is one of our hand faculty. She's always awesome, lets us do everything. She's like the sweetest person in the world. Dr. Tuggle is our other hand faculty right now. Our last hand faculty that we just hired hasn't started yet. they will start next year, I think around August or October. She's very interested in congenital hand. Dr. Tuggle, he came from Curtis, with his hand fellowship, he's the one that, does, that likes doing brachial plexus. I mean, really, like anything that's super complicated—that's like what he thrives off of and lives off of. He's a great teacher, so that's always great. Dr. Stalder is the head of our university rotation, and he's a phenomenal surgeon. Great to to work with. He's started up the lymphedema program, like really giving us experience to like the super microsurgery. So he's great. Dr. Walmack is also one of our like microsurgeons. I graduated from here as well, and he's one of, like, the best people to be in the operating room with, not only because of, like, his personality, but he likes to teach, and he's just just a fun person.
0: So what kind of role do residents usually play in department decision-making?
1: It depends on what it is. In regards to, like, our academics, our conferences... And like what we want to learn, they're very responsive and accommodating. Like a couple of years ago when we said like, Hey, like, I think that, uh, the residents are giving some talks at conferences that like, you know, we haven't really like had that much exposure with. Like I remember like I was supposed to give a talk on a face list and I'm like, I've only ever seen one. So like, I don't know what, like I can tell you about the anatomy and stuff, but I'd, I'd rather hear the attendings give their approach, like any pearls, pitfalls, And so they took that to heart, and a lot of like topics that were like that. um, Now some of them are will be presented by just the attendings, and then some of them are like, hey, you know, like the residents are responsible for doing the very beginning portion, talking about anatomy or relevant anatomy technique, anything like that. And then all of a sudden, the attending will come on afterwards and be like, hey, here are some of the results that I had. Here are some things that you should watch out for, and stuff like that. And so that's been great. As far as choosing new residents and such during interviews, the fives they usually are talking with the applicants. I think that they should be a little bit younger personally. I think that should be like the fives and fours should be in there because the chiefs are too old. They're about to graduate. They're not going to see these people. They're not going to work with them. So I think it should be either like the fives, the fours, and the threes should be interviewing them as well. And so they hear what we have to say. Like we get to have input but usually it's, it's going to come down to like how they feel. So, and they'll select who actually it is.
0: So how would you say your program helps you develop into a culturally competent resident or promotes diversity and inclusion?
1: I think here in New Orleans, we, see a, we have a very diverse uh, patient population, especially when we're working at a university medical center. We have a lot of people coming from all over the place that are low state economic status. 60% of the population here in New Orleans is Black. I think we have a great uh, relationship there, and we just try and give them the best care that we can, especially at that place as well. We work with the transgender population. Like, we really do have like, a very unique demographic that I think anybody can identify with here in New Orleans, which is actually what makes New Orleans New Orleans. This is so great of a city to not only live in, but to work in. And because of that, I think that we get a very diverse experience that will benefit us in the future.
0: How would you describe like the resident culture and the vibe amongst the residents?
1: We really have people all walks of life in our residency, which is great. And we all just like to hang out when we can. A couple of the chiefs, one of them has three kids. He's had three of them in residency. Another one, our independent fellow, she was a general surgeon for five years and came back. She's got three kids of her own. Her husband's a urologist, and then we have another one who just had his other. Our other chief has a kid as well. They're very supportive. Like whenever we had a chance, especially before COVID, we were able to get together. We had this a resident wellness day, which I think is pretty cool. Where basically. I think it's like once every six weeks or so we'll just get to be able to go and like have breakfast together and during our conference instead of like actually like having conference it's just the residents get together and go hang out for like those three hours that are protected and then go back and have clinical duties or go back to the OR, or whatever we have to do so that was I thought was always really cool and it doesn't just have to be breakfast it could be like let's go do yoga or something like that so the only thing that everything's kind of unfortunate with plastic surgery programs because they can be kind of small not like an internal medicine or anything like that like we only say 12 so there's only two a year so i love my co-resident he is awesome dr michael barrero he's very smart and a rock star but i never get to really work with him i mean we talk to each other all the time on the phone and after work we'll go grab something drink or have a good time he literally lives like two blocks away from me all right? and i still barely get to see him that's something that I would like to improve in the program too. Maybe if we get to work together a little bit. But other than that, it's, it's always fun. Like I love the, the juniors are all great. Even though they're considered juniors, a lot of them are like right around my age too. So it's just like we get to hang out and have a good time.
0: And what are some qualities of a resident who would fit well in your program?
1: They have to be willing to work. This program can get really busy and really fast. And if you're not willing to put in the work, it can chew you up. But like, that's why I love it is because you put in the work, you're going to be very proficient. You're going to know what you need to do. You're going to graduate without what's called like that white wall fear. So like when you look up and all of a sudden you don't have an attending to catch you on a mistake or like you don't know what to do. And all you see is that white wall. You're going to be like, okay. And you're going to be confident in your skills. You're going to graduate having that confidence. So you just got to be willing to work hard. All of us will always have your back as long as you're willing to put in the work. If you're ever in a part where you're like, hey, like, I don't feel comfortable doing this, we'll come and help you out. But we do expect you to to try and get everything done. Just not like I don't want a new resident to come in and just be like, think that we're going to hold his hand because a lot of residency, what it is, is like it's up to the person. Like you're going to make your residency experience. And so that's my biggest thing. Other than that, it's got to be fun loving. You got to love New Orleans. I mean, what's not to love about this city? The only thing I think is crazy is that people told me that New Orleans was cheap. That's not true. (laughs) So especially with it being like the food and alcohol capital of the world, actually maybe not the world, just of the South. It's a lot of fun. Lost a little bit of its luster because of COVID. But anyways, so you got to be willing to like work hard, play hard here we can teach you whatever it needs to be a plastic surgeon as soon as you get in here. I just need you to be able to have the work ethic to go through.
0: And so now to transition kind of our last part, a little bit more about the logistics of how residents live. So do most own or rent?
1: It depends. The residents that are from New Orleans, they own because they know they want to stay in New Orleans. New Orleans is one of those places that like if you're from here, you don't ever leave and then if you're not from here, you either choose to stay or you leave. I feel like a lot of people that are from New Orleans, like they think New Orleans is the best city in the world, they're not going anywhere. So that's why they all own their own places. And I feel like if you come to New Orleans, you don't really know coming in that you're going to buy. For us, it's about half. I do definitely suggest that if you are like going into a plastic surgery residency and you have the chance to, I think you should very much consider buying because you're going to be there for six years if you're going into an integrated program. And that way, like the mortgage and all that, you can build equity. And if I had the chance to do it over, because I probably would have bought.
0: Do most people live in more houses or apartments?
1: So it depends where you want to live. The majority of people that live like in the central business district, it's called the CBD, which is like kind of like downtown. Those are mostly apartments. But when you go to like Uptown, Lower Garden District, it's a little bit more like the residential areas. So those are also where like a lot of residents like to live. I mean, you got Magazine Street, you can walk up and down. St. Charles is beautiful. So that's like all those areas. I lived in the CBD for three years and I loved it. I was literally two blocks from Bourbon Street. So I had a great time. And now I, after those three years, I've moved into a house a little bit more in Uptown. And it's great. They're just very different. I will let you know, and this is a great advice. So remember this. If you make under fifty five thousand dollars a year, which you will starting off, unfortunately, you qualify for government assisted housing. And so I think around every apartment building in the downtown area, I think around twenty percent of it is by government assisted living. And so you qualify for it. So the only problem with these apartments is that if you don't usually if someone's in it, they're not leaving. And so I had it after three years like I had an apartment that's usually like $1,700. I got it for 1150 a month, and it was guaranteed at that price. So it's very, very helpful. So remember looking at those and to ask them for it because it's only certain units. They don't have it for everybody. So besides that, because New Orleans is growing right now in the sense of like a lot of people are like buying the real estate that aren't from inside Louisiana, I think that the real estate has been going up. And I love the house that I I have. I just think it's a little expensive, but luckily my wife is also a cardiology fellow. So together we're able to afford it. But I think if it was just like you by yourself, some some of the areas, especially in uptown, can be a little pricey.
0: Where do residents live in terms of like how long it takes you to get to your different sites?
1: So that's the best part about New Orleans is literally the most you're driving is 15 minutes like 15 minutes will get you to every hospital that you need to be. The furthest hospital that is, is West Jeff and that's on the West Bank. Basically that means you have to take a bridge across from New Orleans proper over to the other side of the river. And it's like maybe like 10 exits down. So that takes about like 15, maybe 20 minutes. Everything else, it's no longer like 15 minutes drive is like the most you'll have. Because of that, you can really live wherever you want. But like, Most people like to live in uptown area just because it's so pretty and it's kind of iconic. And you have like Magazine Street, St. Charles, all that kind of stuff.
0: You mentioned a handful of the residents do have kids. As far as you know, how have they been supported in terms of like paternity, maternity leave or things like that?
1: I believe it was this year that the board of plastic surgery, American Board of Plastic Surgery said that we can have maternity and paternity leave as supported, and it like, won't count as vacation or sick days. For us, like one of my chiefs this year took a month off for his paternity leave. So they're very supportive, and if that's what you like and what you need to do for your family, then great.
0: Is it necessary to have a car?
1: Yeah. need a car. Public transportation here is not the best. They do have the trolley, but that's only going to get you to like one, maybe two of the hospitals. So, no, you need a car.
0: And what else do you like about living in New Orleans?
1: It's really like what's not to like about living in New Orleans. I mean, the fact is, I came from Houston for med school. I don't like Houston, but fine. If you want to say Houston's great, okay. No offense to anybody from Houston, my wife's from Houston. Their food's amazing. Houston's food's great, but there's really no food that's like New Orleans food. The food in New Orleans is incredible. There's just so much to do around here that's free, especially like once COVID is over. But we have like 400 festivals a year, which is like unheard of. There's literally a festival for everything. Like there's a festival for fried green tomatoes, there's a fried chicken festival, there's a macaroni and cheese festival, there is a po' boy festival. I mean, and then on top of that, you have like the actual festivals that people know, Jazz Fest, Voodoo, Buku, and they're all coming back this October, by the way. It's a beautiful place to be. The people here are great. They're always so nice. The New Orleans, the word for it, which is, you know, let the good times roll. I mean, that is really like the life here. Everybody is willing to help each other out. And then there's so much to do. The food's incredible. That's what makes it so happy. The only thing that's a downside is that, you know, people back before Katrina were like, oh, this is a cheap place to live. It's not. I think that the resident salaries need to go up for sure. As a five, I'll be making 63 a year. My wife coming from Houston took like a $7,000 pay cut as a third year in internal medicine to be a first year fellow in cardiology. So I don't know how you have more PGY years to take a $7,000 pay cut, but coming to Louisiana terrible thing about new orleans 10 percent sales tax because of the entertainment tax here I can, I can name one more thing that i dislike the fact that we have high taxes and none of it stays in new orleans the roads here are terrible none of them ever get fixed all the money goes to everywhere else besides here
0: so that's pretty much everything i wanted to talk about today Any final thoughts either on your program or on the process of choosing a residency?
1: Okay, so advice for choosing a residency. I definitely think that you need to find a place that has a children's hospital, a VA, and a county hospital to see all the different types of populations to work with. I think they should definitely have a transgender component or a gender confirmation surgery experience because that is somewhere that I, I see plastics going.
0: Any like piece of advice either that you would give to someone like for an away or for an interview or something to like ask residents about?
1: I can tell you what, don't ask. Don't ask residents about like how tough call is. Don't ever make it look like you are afraid to work hard. Because that leaves a bad taste in like every resident's mouth. You're like, really? Like you're coming to residency, you're going to work hard. It doesn't matter where you are. You should be. This is your training and you should take it that way. Don't ever make yourself look like you're not willing to work hard. Do the research. It's going to help you because going to the conferences isn't about always presenting your research. It's about networking. So go there, take advantage, meet people. Don't be like afraid to go and introduce yourself to someone. It's always a lot easier when you know, like you're attending or faculty are going to be there, go up to your faculty and be like, hey, will you introduce me to some other people? Especially if you're interested in going to some certain part of the world. For instance, if you want to live in Colorado, the Rocky Mountain Society, join it, go to their meeting. Start meeting people as soon as you can to start being like, hey, like I'm interested in living around here. I'm interested in joining a practice around here. Start that early. You don't want to be in your sixth year and all of a sudden be looking for a job and being like, okay, I don't know anybody over there in this area that I know I want to live in. So definitely do research, look for those VA, Children's, and County Hospital, and just know that like these are going to be some of like the hardest times of your life, but they're also going to be some of the most fun.
0: And how could interested applicants find out more about your program?
1: They can... Email me. They can go on on Instagram. I'm pretty much an open book. I might take a while to respond on Instagram. I apologize in advance. But I'm the only one running it. And then they need my email. I'm more than happy to talk to them. I've actually had several med students already reach out to me on Instagram and through our Facebook, and I've talked to them about and answered some of their questions. They can always talk to our program coordinator. I know some people are starting to are allowing at least one away coming up this year. And we definitely like would love to have you.
0: Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today, Jordan. It's been wonderful.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.